0: Hello, guys, and welcome back to Nakoa Radio. I apologize if I sound like I have allergies because, well, I have allergies right now. We have a special guest, Dakota, here, aka. Wow, I can't think of your Instagram name. Hang on. I'm a little hungover, I'm not going to lie. Just like a little bit, a little bit. Miss Jen Lips,
1: come on to my podcast, Miss Jen Lips. What's your Instagram handle? Coda and Kilo's here. Coda and Kilo's. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mom, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Get your shit together. Can we cuss on this podcast? Um... A little bit. I prefer
0: not the f bomb because my mom sometimes listens. Sorry, okay. mom.
1: Hi, mom. Sorry in
0: advance. Yes, mom loves Dakota. Mom she, loves. Mom she loves does Dakota's. love me. It's and true. She might
1: not by the end of this. But that's yes, okay. but um,
0: <laughs> yes. So we are here on this Memorial Day weekend. I was said Labor Day, but like wrong holiday altogether. No, yeah, not quite. Uh, no, not quite. But we are here and uh, just catching up on all of the things, literally. And um, one of the nope. things I wanted. To- <laughs> One of the things I wanted to uh, talk about is how your coaching business has been doing. Um, A lot of people, if you don't know, um, she actually has her own workout but also like nutrition coaching business as well. So tell us more about how that's going. Team
1: Kilos is thriving alive and well. Um, Definitely have less of a client base now just because things have picked up with my full time job. I, you know, have the the privilege of coaching because I want to and getting to do that part-time, which is awesome. But I've cut back on clients a little bit. So, you know, right now is meat season. I just had uh, one client make weight for nationals, uh, drug-tested nationals down in Georgia. Uh, So that's been interesting. A lot of people are competing, a lot of people trying to make weight in the next couple months or so. So that's been fun. But yeah, it's definitely been... It's been a good time. I mean, you know, I, we've talked about this a little bit before, but you know, just kind of making that transition. This is the second year of me doing online coaching. Uh, but I was doing, you know, personal training for like eight years prior to that. So just the evolution of the online business and stuff. And I do still take some clients in person, but very few and far between. So it's, it's been a good mix of, you know, doing the nutrition stuff and then doing more strength coaching, getting a lot of Young women who are newer to powerlifting, newer to the barbell, just getting them, you know, strong and confident underweight, which is my favorite thing to do. So, all in all, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome.
0: And is that your ideal type of client to take on for both nutrition and for coaching in terms of like working out?
1: Yeah, I would say I tend to lean towards more of the beginners, uh, just because. for a couple different reasons that's always been people that I've worked with not necessarily like young women but usually women in general that are new to strength new to the barbell and just looking for somebody to you know kind of help them learn and kind of get their bearings for things like you know I remember when I started out in the sport and I didn't know anything about anything uh I worked with kettlebells and started working at a commercial gym that didn't have kettlebells. I was like, ah, shit, let me teach myself how to use a barbell. And then the rest is history. So I know how much it sucks. And obviously, you know, there's, it's difficult to be a woman in the gym. It's difficult to be, you know, a woman with strength goals and things like that. So I feel kind of obligated as somebody who's been around for a little bit of time. By no means am I a vet. uh, But I do feel like I do have a responsibility of bringing that new generation in, especially in the sport and kind of teaching them, you know, how not to be an asshole, um, as there's so many of them. <laughs> yes. Um, but also, you know, to to not make the same mistakes that I did when I was coming up as a lifter. So, you know, it's not always about making yourself smaller. Like, stop trying to cut weight for your first meet and your second meet and your third meet. And, but that kind of stuff that I feel like is such a... You know, it, it hampers people's strength potential, and then they get, you know, married to this idea of a weight class and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I work with people that are coming into their own strength. The focus is not, oh, let me get this record, let me get this silly state record that's to put in your bio. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, but those, but but really about like, how do I get stronger? How do I become a better lifter? And you know, in time. How do I, you know, give back to the sport? And I think that's that's a really big thing. Is how do we give back? And I could talk about that for hours and stuff like that. Although I sound kind of asinine because I am a paid online coach, which is, <laughs> you know, villainy. Um, but I do actually give a shit, so that does make a little bit of a difference. But yeah, totally.
0: And you just did a meet a few months I ago. Did. And you, I did. This is
1: your first equipped meet? First fully equipped meet yeah. Multiply. Yeah. So I did the uh, Cincinnati Women's Pro-Am, which was hosted by Laura Phelps Stackhouse, um, one of the, the the most prolific female lifter in history, uh, but one of the most prolific lifters in history, regardless of gender anyway. Um, but yeah, so that was my first full equipped meet. I dabbled in equipment. I did a meet in December where I was in squat briefs and a shirt, but I deadlifted raw. So in April, I had my awesome multi-ply suit, which is over there, um, that I've nicknamed my precious, like from Lord of the Rings. Uh, is nerd quote. Yes, and I won't do the voice. Uh, absolutely not. But. So I have that still not, I wasn't wearing squat briefs under that. So that's another layer of stuff that I, I haven't added on, but in a, in a bench shirt, wearing that suit for deadlifts as well. Uh, and it was a blast. It was a really, really cool weekend. Got to see some hella strong women. I was in the same flight with a 16 year old girl that also squatted 500 pounds, uh, holy shit, right? Yeah, I was about to say. Um, the future is so bright. I love it. But yeah, so it was. What are it, they feeding these kids? And she was small and she lifts in glasses. I respect people that lift, lift in glasses. I can't do that. Yeah. It drives me crazy. But yeah, so it was, it was pretty good meat. Um, you know, I, I still have issues with that disc that I ruptured. So, you know, heavy squat, bench kind of, you know, took a nosedive and then things started feeling better for deadlift. So, I went eight for nine and it was my best meet performance in, in Ever. my history of powerlifting. Awesome. Um, but it was also, you know, my first multiply meet. So I'm definitely staying in that space. I love it. And it's, I mean, it's a great way to manage chronic pain after like a pretty substantial injury. Although I'll be the first person to say, you know, if you're interested in it, get in it before you need it. Yeah. Dabble in it. Be play curious, as other people have coined that term, and I love it. um But yeah, so I'm doing. I I did that, and I am actually jumping into a meet in about seven weeks. What? Uh, yeah, you She's didn't know. Just that. telling me the Surprise! story now. Well, I usually I don't tell anybody when I'm competing anyway, and I almost this said the f Sorry, Jen's mom. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't um No, but we have some friends who. Uh, are hosting a meet in Erie, Pennsylvania in seven weeks. And I was asked if I would do the meet because they needed more women on the roster because Saturday is all women. So I will be on the platform again in less than seven weeks. That's so exciting. Something like that. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I was going to be there anyway. so
0: Might as well lift, do a heavy day just like Ashton does. Yeah. Heavy SBD day. Heavy SBD day. But that's so awesome. And what was that transition like from going from just raw to... Uh, equipped?
1: It's been pure chaos. Like it's super fun. It's super fun. And I like it because it is so much more of an intellectual challenge because there's so many variables that you have to control. It's, it's a lot more of a mental task than raw lifting. Hate to say it, bra is a lot easier. Uh, um, but with equipped, it's like, you know, it, your body weight fluctuates. Your gear fits differently. You have to get comfortable with pushing into tension and being uncomfortable. And you can see these bruises on my legs right here. This one actually looks like a face. It actually
0: looks like the Joker. I'm not even yeah, lying. Yeah, no, that's
1: how my body feels right now about prepping for this damn meet. Uh, <laughs> it's concerned, but now, yeah, so it's like it's painful, but it's painful in ways that make sense. But it's you know it. She said.
0: Yes. Yes, she did. Maybe. Uh,
1: but no, I mean, it's, you know, it, it is uncomfortable and it requires you to, A, rely on other people. It's very hard to do alone. I do know a couple people that train equipped by themselves, which is absolutely insane. You got to be a different level of crazy right. to do that. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lot of learning and it was, it's been a lot of like Starting from scratch. Like, to to pull in a suit, I had to learn sumo. And, I mean, the first couple years that I even tried pulling sumo in the sport, I sucked at
0: it. It's a very technical lift. It's so
1: hard. A lot of people
0: give it such a bad rep because they're like, oh, you're cheating or cheating. And it's like, I mean, I... Leon and I used to joke about that. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, you know, you're not really pulling if you're pulling sumo. But like obviously I pull sumo now and you pull sumo. Yeah. And just with time and technique, it just it's it's more technical in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Well and the thing is, is like just train both. Like yeah. you know, there's, there's benefits no to con- conventional, there's benefits to sumo. It it is highly technical, but it's something that, you know, you really do there are plenty of people out there that pull sumo and they pull a lot of weight and their sumo technique looks like absolute ass and not in like a good way, not good ass, bad ass, uh, but not bad, but (laughs) let (laughs) me But no, I mean, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, it, it, it plays to a certain set of strengths. It exposes a certain set of weaknesses. My hips are super weak and trash. Uh, so I had to, you know, learn a lot of that. And I would say, honestly, I mean, as far as things that I've done in the sport, my, Improving my sumo technique, which you know, it's it's really been in like the last, oh shit, like six to eight months or so. It's probably one of the things that I'm most proud of in the sport, which is saying a lot, um, because you know I feel like when people talk about that stuff, they talk about numbers and things like that, and I'm just like, I look back at what I was doing in like 2018 and before that, and I'm like, holy hell, like I really wish I didn't have these videos, but it, you know a lot of it is just the patience and willingness to just kind of give yourself over to the process and not having so much of an ego or being so arrogant to be like, no, I need to put more weight on the bar or, you know, all of that kind of stuff, which I mean, I think is something that applies for everything. But when you're really trying to work technique and stuff like that, that is so much more important.
0: Well, and I agree with that. And I also think that, your injury probably did help with that transition as well. Just kind of putting your ego in check and not being like, okay, I want to put more on the bar, but I, you know, I probably shouldn't. And I know you and I have had these conversations and this will carry over into my next topic, which is when it comes to injuries or having health issues, like what have you learned about yourself or with clients and other things like that um, within powerlifting or just lifting in general for the Joe Schmo who just wants to basically work out and get better. What have you learned about limitations and how much you should push yourself and, quote unquote, either pushing through the pain or, you know, listening to your body? Like, what have you learned? I was
1: going to say, that? yeah, step one, listen to your body, yeah. do right. it. Um, and, and, but that's that's such a big thing. And I think that, you know, like what you said about pushing through the pain and stuff like that, when I was coming up in the sport, I mean, I I played sports a little bit in high school. I played lacrosse. Um, I was never particularly gifted strength and like building muscle and like putting on muscle mass and stuff like that always came really hard for me. And just because I had experienced a lot of trials and tribulations in my life, I thought that everything sucked. Like I, you know, and it was always about like, okay, well I have to push through this. I have to work harder. I have to, you know, keep pushing myself and suffer to get better. Right, right. And
0: also, like, I feel like a lot of people tell you if you don't push through, you're mentally not as strong as mm-hmm. them or other people. Like, I I can't tell you how many times people have been like, oh, we'll just push through the pain. You're not pushing through, like, then, you know, mentally you're just not in it or you're not pushing as much as you could. But in reality, that's not always productive.
1: Yeah, and that's, it's total bullshit. Like, It takes a lot more mental strength and you being a stronger person to continually show up and make incremental progress over the next five or 10 years of your lifting career. Not many people think that far in the future. Um, You know, the strength that it takes to push through one workout, like that's, that's bananas uh, <laughs> a banana. but really I mean that's that's the stuff that doesn't really matter that much and I think that that's something that people kind of get stuck in that trap of we have to do that and we have to be in pain and suffer and work hard and all that bullshit yeah. and it doesn't really pay off at all I mean I I as dumb as it sounds and I've said this quite a few times like yeah, it sucks that I got injured, but I am a way better lifter and I'm stronger than I've ever been. And I would not have, I would I would have probably been close to getting out of the sport right now if I hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah, and kind of
0: on the same topic. It's crazy how many people I've spoken to, kids particularly, who have coaches, quote unquote coaches. Um, not and the
1: C word. Wait, can C I word. use the C word? Is your mom going to be upset about that one? Which C word?
0: Wait. <laughs> There's a lot of c
1: words we can use. Stay tuned. We'll see which c words she thinks I'm going to use.
0: But who have coaches and they, I either have either they're not my kids necessarily, but like I've just spoken to them and I'm like, wait, you don't know how to you don't know how to spot, you don't know an rpe scale, but your coach is giving you an rpe to work with. And they end up frying out their central nervous systems because they don't know what they're doing. And they just, like, are constantly overworking and they end up getting hurt. And it's because a lot of coaches are not coaching. They're just programming. Which, we can go on this rant another day and we can add Nick in because this is a totally a Nick conversation. Yeah,
1: we're, we need to drag him in. We'll that. drag
0: him in another day. But, <laughs> yes. So, I don't know. I just see so many issues within particularly powerlifting and that being problematic. But um, I definitely think... Movement can be medicine. I totally agree with Mm -hmm. that, depending, obviously, on the circumstance of what the movement is and how the movement
1: is being executed. And I think that's the thing. It's like there's no – there's very few movements. It's like, okay, I absolutely can't do that. Right. And I think that that's where – and this is what I see a lot of, to your point of, like, programming versus coaching and stuff like that. In the sport, you have a lot of people who are like, I'm a powerlifting coach. I've been in the sport. I did a meet, whatever. But they don't have, like, the foundational background of – Programming and you know, like the stuff that this me to cameo, yeah. Um, but you know, the stuff that that actually matters, which I mean, I was lucky because I came up working with Gen Pop, not Jen, not me, Pop, yes, off, <laughs> sorry, but you know, learning how to progress and regress movements, working with people that had you know overuse injuries, age-related injuries, weird stuff from just like existing or just doing things wrong. And I think that the educational component of coaching is so overlooked. To your point about RPE, it's like I I make my kids earn the right to use RPE because I have a lot of people that have never used that or they understand it in like a general fitness sense, like the right. cardiovascular one, like the 1 to 20, not the powerlifting version of it, which sure. is completely made up anyway. But it's like I have I have clients that work off of RPE. I have clients that have prescribed weights. I yes. have, you know, like that type of variance. I think that RPE is a great tool in the right framework. Right. I think that, you know, it does help increase a little bit more of body autonomy and body awareness in the athlete, but not everybody's there. No. And if, you know, yeah. you have somebody that is – you know, better at taking instruction and they need to focus on like the technical things and learning those skills and stuff like that, trying to get them to gauge RPE while they're still learning the movement, really, really tough. I agree.
0: I mean, even for myself, I don't even like using RPE just because also, as we know, I sandbag everything. So. Yes, you do. Yeah. So like for me, I just, I use it very sparingly. So I don't know. In terms of nutrition clients. Mm-hmm. What is something that you commonly see in a lot of? So you you normally work with athletes, correct? I yeah, think.
1: I do work with some Gen Pop people, but I have a lot of athletes that I work okay.
0: with too. Yeah, I would say like you and I have a very vastly different like audience that we cater to. I I like working with just someone who has no idea like anything like that no, get old,
1: but I'm I love that you do that. Yeah, no. <laughs>
0: I, I would say, like, I'm, like, the, the stepping stone coach. Like, we don't care about flying flamingos, and Nick is giving me a look now. But, um, okay, so what I mean is it's just I like the just client who is not familiar with anything. I don't necessarily prefer to work with athletes just because I think sometimes they're a little bit more high-maintenance. And
1: for me, at least, I don't yeah, know. No, I get that. I mean, I, I have the same conversations with people that don't like working with newer lifters because they feel the same way. I think it's just just preference. Um, but I honestly think that a lot of what athletes struggle with is just a heightened version of what gen pop struggles with. The biggest things are just, you know, overemphasizing the less important aspects of things. Sure, I agree before with that. Before actually securing their competency and doing the bigger important things. Like I have a conversation with people because most of my coaching is, you know, if it fits your macros, I don't do meal plans. I don't believe in meal plans. Nope. That's totally out of some with of practice anyway. Agreed. Uh, so if your coach in Maryland does that and, and, and not, they're not a dietitian, mm-hmm. they, they lie into you. nutritionist. Um, and I will turn people away. I have no problem with that. Yeah. I, you know, I, like I said, I do this because I want to and I'm very picky when it comes to my clients. Um, but, no, I mean, it's it's things like track your food. Like, I will not work with somebody unless they've tracked their food for at least two weeks. Really? Me. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a great way to thin out the herd. Yeah. Um, because if you really want it, you really want it, right? And you're willing to do those things. And I think that a lot of people, you know, it, it's – coaches have their own responsibilities, but as a client, you also have to be coachable. You have to be in a place where you're willing to fulfill your obligations as – a client and I mean you know some people and I'm sure you deal with this with your gen pop clients is they just want accountability and they want that person that's going to be like hey don't forget to do this thing and I don't want to do that with my clients like you're an adult you're an athlete and even my gen pop clients I you know I, I try to get them to think about being athletes in their own life like they still have to show up for stuff whether it's their kids or their hobbies or work and stuff like that so like if you don't take yourself seriously, I'm not going to take you seriously. Like you ha- And I mean, that's not saying that like I, you know, obviously, you know, some people go through shit sometimes and you've got to be patient. You've got to meet people where they are. But those basics of like track your macros, like track what you're eating. Like I would much rather have somebody that's willing to track their food and get that down path than somebody who, you know, is hyper focused on supplementation or something oh, yeah, like that. It's like, you know, and that's what I get, you know, I'll get people that are like, well I feel like my meal timing's off. And I'm like, but well, you don't that have your have to do with oh, that." It's like if you you know, that that kind of thing. Or you know, people that don't drink their water. If you're listening to this right now, drink water, you dehydrated bitch. Uh but seriously Thirsty. it's like it's literally those simple things. And again kind of back to my point where I was talking about just longevity of things. You have to be patient. You have to be willing to invest that time. And just like with building strength and everything like that, you know, making changes from a nutritional standpoint, whether it's body recomp or cutting or bulking or reversing or whatever, all of that takes time. And people are so like, they want to do that whole instant gratification thing, which I'm sure you deal with a lot with gym pop. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Because there's usually not... Like, I, I feel like when I work with a lot of those folks, the the goal is always, like, scale-based.
0: Yep. Oh, 100%. And, yeah. They want to see that scale move. And in reality, that's not mm-hmm. always going to happen. And a lot of times, it's like, do you want something that's going to last a long time or do you want something that's a quick result? Because if you want something that's quick results, I'm not your girl. Like, I'm not. Because that's you wanting to hop on keto and drop 30 pounds in X
1: amount of time. That's not sustainable. Not sustainable at all. Yeah. I talked to a lot of my clients about like this idea that weight is the easiest thing to manipulate think about it. I almost said a joke, sorry. (laughs) Other than your mom. Um, Not your mom. Your mom is lovely. I love her. I'm not talking about your mom. Uh, But but no, just like, you know, we we exist in a sport where people do water cuts mostly for the wrong reasons. But it's like, you can manipulate weight so easily. Like I can, you know, I can take somebody and make the scale fluctuate either way, as long as they, you know, follow those instructions. That's not impressive. You know, like I've I've worked with clients who, you know, I I don't have an issue with taking on people that have a history of disordered eating as long as it's not like active and they're, you know, I would tend to push them to, you know, dietitians and, you know, any sort of practitioner that specifically is qualified to deal with that. But I do have people and I think that a lot of people have, you know, undercurrents of disordered eating that may not meet clinical thresholds but are still there so it's you know I think about a lot of the work that I've done with my clients and really the the things that I'm most proud of are things like that like the the people that I've worked with where I've changed their relationship with food through you know a credit to them all the work that they've put in but I look at it and it's like you know we work together doing that Versus, oh, we cut 20 pounds or oh, we made, made weight for this meat and stuff like that. So it's you absolutely,
0: know. I think that's most important too. And a lot of coaches are more focused on the outcome of what they did for the client versus mm-hmm. what they did together. And that's a, the way you said that was like beautiful. Like, yeah,
1: I don't want to take credit for anything, I don't I do the easy stuff. I just, and, and that's that's what I explain I to people up. too. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, I. Nothing that I tell people is proprietary information. I don't believe in proprietary information. You could go out, read books, you know, other than having the experience of, you know, doing it for years, like working with clients, all this shit is available. Go Google. Like it's on the internet, but people don't want to read it. People don't want to read it and people don't necessarily have the discipline to hold themselves accountable and encourage themselves for a long period of time which I don't blame them. Like it sucks. Like it sucks coaching yourself. Like it it sucks trying to drag yourself through those things. But at the same time, you know, as a coach, coach, whatever, the C word, um, your, your job is just really enlightening them. You set up a framework that you think based on your experience, which is more than doing just one meet or guide, helped a client prep once, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know using that and saying like hey this is what i think is is going to work for you let's give this some time let's implement it but they're the ones doing all the hard work absolutely like, you're you're there as somebody that is guiding them and trying to make it a little bit easier but yeah i always hate when people are like i did this and they're like showing off their clients like i will say i other than a promo that i ran in like the beginning of 2021 I don't advertise yeah. my coaching at all, at, at all. Your and coaching
0: I'm... speaks for itself, and that's something that I admire about Thank all you. of your coaching because I see how highly your clients speak of you. And I don't know
1: why I'm insane. You know, I can don't understand, understand how I put the up hype. With them, so. I can understand the hype.
0: I mean, I can understand it. I think you're biased a little bit. She's
1: buttering me up, guys. Listen, listen.
0: a little bit, but I mean, Tell me more. I just, <laughs> I just feel like if your clients can if your work can speak for itself and you don't really need to i mean of course you can if you want to but like that just shows how good a quality your
1: coaching is in my opinion yeah i mean but but like i said i mean i also it's it is part of my livelihood but it's not my sole Only. pursuit right and that gives me a luxury to not be taking everyone aggressive about building a book of like when sure. I was a, when I was a personal trainer like 10 years ago yeah like I clawed my way to building a book clients. um I'm old and I'm no, tired no, of doing that not, stuff don't and say I say you're old I'm just really saying, saying like I <laughs> it, it's in this industry it's that's old um but you know especially if you're working with Gen pop um but I mean that's the I was the old trainer when I was at Gold's like and I I was in my mid 20s and I was like the oldest person there. So, you know, but it but but I do have that luxury of not needing to advertise to be really picky about my clients, but all of that, you know, is something that comes with time. And I think that that's, you know, the other thing is like I'm not in the community in the way that a lot of coaches are. I don't I'm, I'm not about the hype. I don't have, like, this massive Instagram presence. I don't really like social media in that way. I like to use it to communicate with my clients. And, hell, even when I started lifting, I didn't even, like, post my lifting stuff. Now I do, and it's nice because then I can delete all the videos off my phone. But it's, you know, I, the other C word, clout, ooh. that's – ooh yeah, right? Cool. Um, but, no, I mean, it's, it, it's not – it's never been about that. I don't like that stuff, which, you know – yes could I have more clients and maybe be more popular if I bought into all of that stuff sure why not but I don't want to right like I'd, I'd rather do what I've always been doing which is work with people who I want to work with that I feel like I could actually make a difference by working with them and just kind of doing my own thing it's worked out so far yeah it is that's awesome
0: well, thank you so much for being on. You're absolutely I will welcome. Absolutely, have you on another time. Maybe we'll do like a tipsy podcast
1: and I, I mean, won't be hungover. Yeah, listen, as much as I love talking about coaching and the sport and all of that stuff, yes, we could definitely do a podcast. We have so much personality. Right? You should hear us off the record. Yes, if we survive till the next episode. <laughs> if we actually survive till the Everyone next episode.
0: Knows. Yeah. Either you'll be you'll be here for the next episode or you'll be at attending one of our funerals,
1: possibly mine. And on that note, have a great night. <laughs>